welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Today, um, uh, it's going to be a little different. I'm not going to teach today. And I I, I really struggled with this because I, I feel like for some people they may not relate to what I'm going to say and what I'm going to share, but I'm praying that God would move beyond your natural ability to relate and he would touch your spirit today in a real way, that you would connect in spirit. Are you here this morning? I, uh, I just got back from Brazil and it was an amazing time. The Brazilian, the local, the, the one local Brazilian in the house, cheers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I always love my time in Brazil. I love, I, I have to say that in all of my travels over the last 20 years, I think Brazil is one of my favorite places to go for many reasons, but I love the people, number one. I love, I mean, we hired a Brazilian, but I love the people. But number two, I love the food. I absolutely love the food. Like there's nowhere that I think I've gone before where you could go anywhere and order a steak and it's legit. Anybody who likes steak in, in here? Like, I mean, Ottawa is a hard place to find steak. I, and I'm like, a, I, I am a very picky steak. If I am going to go out and the steak is not better than what I can make at home, I don't want to pay for a steak. I, I feel the guilt, the weight. It is like, no, it is a waste of money. Guys, if you like steaks at Montana's, you don't know what good steak is. Sorry. But I'm not ordering a steak at Montana's. Okay, so I, I, Brazil, like, I, I just, everywhere you go, the food is just phenomenal. But I was in a new area called Recife that I'd never been to on the coast. I also love beaches, and I was actually on, uh, my hotel was actually on the beach, which was amazing. And uh, what, what greater experience can you have, like, you know, serving Jesus in the kingdom, you know, sacrificing for Jesus, and also being on a beach at the same time. It's like the best, the best of two worlds, right? And, uh, but we had an amazing time, and, and uh, you know, uh, God always moves in, like, just such great power. I remember the last night I was there, the last night I was there, uh, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I'm going to disrupt the meeting. I, I, it's funny because usually when I feel like an assault spiritually, like, something's going to happen. I texted my wife. We, had, we were talking, and we were praying together on the phone, and we got off the phone, and I said, I just feel like something just hit me. This is before the meeting. Like something just hit me. Like I just feel like heavy. I don't like this feeling. And we, we she she prayed for me. And and I remember getting uh, just in that space, the Lord speaking to me and saying, "I'm going to disrupt the meeting tonight." And I I got up after worship, and uh, I literally I didn't speak. Uh, I just basically ministered for the first hour and a half straight, basically just prophesied and and you know moved in words of knowledge and prayed for people and it was amazing what God was doing I think I spoke in the end for like 15 minutes at the end and then it just erupted after that we ended up laying hands on 700 people that night and praying for 700 people it was wild 
But this one miracle that really stood out to me, which was really powerful, was uh, the Lord spoke about a left ear and a deafness in a left ear. And this guy stands up. He, he had a scheduled surgery this month, actually. He had two holes in his eardrum and as a result had severe deafness in one on his left ear. And after this word, we prayed for him and something popped on the inside of his ear and he was completely healed and he was hearing like he'd never heard before. And he had scheduled surgery that month. I love those. I, I went through a season of our ministry where everywhere we went, we, I'd say probably seven out of 10, if that was like a statistic, seven out of 10 deaf, fully deaf, partially deaf, or ear conditions would be healed in a meeting, like everywhere we went. It was incredible. There was a season where people, I remember leaving their hearing aids like at the front that they had just purchased. There was a season, and I love when God opens up the ear because I also feel like it's so significant when God opens up, does physical things, it's a sign of the spiritual things that are also beginning to happen. When God moves, when you start to notice patterns physically, get ready because God is also speaking spiritually. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Very important, very important. I, I posted this one video of during, uh, at the end of that night, the last night we were there, this guy who had been in uh, a cast the whole weekend who could not walk uh, at the end, during the ministry time, it was chaos. I mean, bodies were everywhere. It was total chaos. They literally ended up ripping off the cast, and it was like throwing pieces of it all around the stage. This guy was completely healed, walking after he'd not been able to walk. It was a powerful, powerful, powerful time. So many other healings and so many other amazing moments took place. But I say all that to say is that I feel like whenever I come back from Brazil, I feel this, this feeling of God wanting to awaken us in our worship. God wanting, because worship is the key to anything. Like your life is called to be a life of worship. If you don't have a lifestyle of worship, you don't have a lifestyle of the supernatural. Like, I may not be in my car singing a song. I'm not talking about singing a song of worship. I'm talking about just in constant communication with God. Constant communication, constant dialogue with God, constant some form of thankfulness to God is worship. And every time I get back from Brazil, I feel this feeling of like, man, like God wants to wake up the church in our worship, like in our adoration to who he is. And I told this to the Brazilian church, and my Brazilian friends back there will like this probably. I said, I realized something when I was in Brazil, because I, I don't think like, I think Brazil, there's a move of the spirit happening 100%. Um, 100% it's been that way for, for decades now. I know this. But there's something about their worship. When they worship, they worship. It's not like Canadians. Like I'm not saying you Canadians. You guys are awesome. I'm just saying. Like the average Canadian. Like, it's like they're just all in. Like they're just all in. Like the grandmas are like, like screaming. Like it's just, there's just like not, no, nothing holding anybody back. Now I'm sure there's cultures in Brazil that aren't like that. Okay, I'm talking about... <laughs> So, but I say that to say is that I had this realization. Like, have you ever been to a Brazilian soccer game? Have you ever watched a soccer game? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a soccer guy, so I can't speak to this. Eduardo can, the Brazilian crew back there can. But I realized something. I'm like, you guys, like, your worship sounds like a soccer game. Like everybody's chanting the same thing at the same time and all in, like in unison. I'm like. You go to a Canadian game and half the people don't even sing the national anthem. 
You know what I'm talking about. Everyone's afraid to shout, oh, Canada. It's like, you know what I mean? Do you, do you guys, I mean, you have to go out of Ottawa to realize what I'm talking about. If you've only ever been in Ottawa, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like any other patriotic type country, when they sing their national anthem, they really sing it. And I realized this, man, like, soccer is like this, they're all in unity cheering for their team together. So it's worth the passion. And I see that spill over in their worship because they're all cheering for the same team, Team Jesus. And I see this, like, element. I know there's, I'm not denying the move of the Spirit, but I'm like, man, I'm like, I get it. Worship feels like a soccer game when I'm over there. And it's incredible. And I just believe, man, I mean, we're not going to a soccer field, but we're going to a rugby field on Friday. And I'm just believing for worship to go up to Jesus in a way that never has in the city of Ottawa. Unison. We're cheering for the same team. You might have different political beliefs. You might have different doctrinal beliefs on certain things. You might have different opinions about culture. But the one thing that we all can agree on is that Jesus is worth our praise and he's worth our worship. And he's worth an alive church. Isn't he? Is he worth an alive church? You know, I, I've had the privilege now of, of ministering, being in ministry for like 21 years. I've had the privilege of lead pastoring for 11 years, my wife and I, and it's been a journey. Like, I, I, I feel like I look back and these weekends are always bittersweet to me in a lot of ways because they always bring evaluation. I don't know about you and, and you know, maybe and I'm just going to confess, maybe I'm like messed up a little bit, but like birthdays can be hard for me sometimes anniversaries can be hard for me sometimes because sometimes it makes me realize where I'm not and I want to be you see what I'm saying does anybody ever feel that way like I, when my kids get older like I'm celebrating their birthday and I'm happy but then I'm like oh crap did I do a good job as a father like you know you ever have that thought like that I miss the like because you, you realize how quick things go so as, although you're celebrating and you're super happy you're like Man, it's going so quick, and it's almost bittersweet. You know what I'm saying, right? So it's like you want to celebrate, and you're celebrating, but it's bittersweet. Same thing with anniversaries. It's like we've been married now 16, we celebrated 16 years while I was in Brazil. Now, she wasn't with me in Brazil, but I had a nice card in the, in the car, and you didn't know it was there, and I, and I drew a heart on the sand while I was on the beach alone by myself, and... Uh, <laughs> But 16 years, that may not be long for some people, but 60, marriage is hard, isn't it? So many marriages are breaking down all the time. Marriage is tough, man. That's why we're doing a marriage lab. You guys got to get there. You have to, to, to September 11th, or you lose all those benefits. And I'm telling you, just the benefit alone of meeting with Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill for a private session is worth the price before September 11th. I would encourage you. When do you ever get a Christian sexologist in a room? Guarantee nobody knows one in this room. If you do come talk to me, I will give you the highest respect. It's a secularized practice. I would encourage everyone to come because marriage, man, we need healthy marriages in this season, don't we? But man, I, I, anniversaries, is like it's a, it's a realization of like, hey, you know, 
where I need to improve. Anybody feel that way? Birthdays are where I need to improve. Time is ticking. So it's always a bitter, a bit bittersweet for me, these, these moments. And it's been 11 years. Now, our journey is a little complicated because, you know, we, we, we took over an existing church. It was a transition to Michelle and I. Then we lost our building three years ago, became a mobile church. It kind of felt like we started all over again. And so it's kind of hard to pinpoint how long it's really been. It's kind of hard to pinpoint, like, what we're actually celebrating because there's been so many changes. Those that have been, who has been with us for the last 11 years? Keep your hands up. That's encouraging to me, and they're in the room today. That's encouraging. It's, it's not easy. I mean, Suzanne, you remember, like, we, we leave the building and we go to, like, Carleton. Nobody liked Carleton University. Especially if you didn't like walking very far. Because he had a park and we had to, and we paid for everybody's parking. I mean, it was crazy. But you stuck around. Like that's, same with you, Andre. You stuck around. You could have left. Because you've seen all the changes. Maybe you didn't agree with all the changes. But somehow you said you felt like God's called you here. Because at the end of the day, listen, I don't care if you like my preaching. I don't care if you like the worship. I don't care about anything other than if God has called you here, you should be here. Because if you only come because of the preaching, because of the worship, because of what, you're going to leave if something changes. You really know when somebody's called when change happens rapidly and they stick around. That's a mature spiritual leader is when they can navigate change and yet, because they know they're called to something, stick around. It's hard. Marriage changes. Relationships change. It's hard. But I'm so thankful for where we've been and where we're going. And I, I, I don't know how this is going to go. And, I, and I, I really want to share my heart this morning, if I can. But have, has anybody ever felt like they've been in a little bit of a coma? spiritual coma at times in this room. Anybody ever felt like things in their life just feel dead? Like maybe they're not actually dead, but they feel dead, like their finances, maybe. Their marriage, a little dead. For all those married couples in the room, their sex life, a little dead. Their emotional connection, a little dead. Maybe it's not dead, it just feels dead. Their, their, their passion for their career, a little dead. The vision they once had, the dream they once had to do this amazing thing. And then life happens, right? Life happens. Life happens. Responsibility happens. And then things kind of feel like they die. Kind of puts you into the state of paralysis. Maybe you feel like you're in a spiritual coma of sorts. Well, I know for me, the last year and three quarters since we've been back from the trauma of the online pandemic... <laughs> where we were 100 Sundays online. I've done some, a lot of evaluation. It's, you know, I would say that there's been so many amazing things, but it's been one of the hardest seasons, one of the hardest seasons. Because, you know, in our, especially in a lifestyle like Michelle and I have, there's lots of ebbs and flows because of the way we roll and because of sort of the entrepreneurial elements of all the things that we do. There's lots of ups and downs in, that, in these processes. But coming out of an online pandemic 
where we were online for 100 Sundays, I didn't realize, man, there was some, like, it was a challenging season. Does anybody feel that in the room? Was it just me? And I've, I've, I've had lots of self-evaluation, and I've seen many that didn't make it in their faith, many leaders that quit during the whole process. And many in this room even may be looking at things in front of them and feel like, can these bones actually live? Can these things actually be resurrected again? And I'm here to tell you this morning, they can. That I believe this, that we are moving as a house into a season where resurrection power is the theme. Where God is going to resurrect some things that feel dead or maybe even are dead. I don't know. But most of the things that we think are dead actually are not dead. They're just sleeping. And I'm here to say this over your life this morning. It's only asleep. It's only asleep. Say that over yourself. It's only asleep. Maybe you're asleep. It's only asleep. I came back from, on the way back from Brazil, and I was really like processing with the Lord what He wanted me to do for this Sunday. And I was praying, and I heard so clearly, so clearly, John 11, 11. That's all He said to me. John 11, 11. I actually didn't know what that verse was. I knew that it was the chapter where Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. I didn't know specifically what John 11, 11 was, verse 11. Here's what it reads. Then he said, Jesus says this, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Because what we feel is dead or look at as dead in our life because of who he is as resurrection power God looks at it as only asleep and it's only a matter of time before I wake you up I wake him up now physically he was actually dead four days he was dead at this point it had been days ended up being four days and Jesus looked at it as a situation like all it needs to happen is I need to wake him up the disciples were confused. They're like, what do you mean? Like, is he sleeping? I'd like, he's actually, I thought he, we, we heard the rumors. Like, I thought he's dead. No, no, he, yeah, he is dead. You don't get what I'm saying. Is that what you think is dead is only actually asleep because of who you're talking to. Because of who I am. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And when I heard this, John 11, 11, this is what God spoke to me, and I'm being vulnerable with you. You might be like, oh, something's wrong with that guy on stage. This is what God spoke to me. He said, God said, said to me, Sean, you've been asleep in your leadership, and it's time for KC to wake up. That's what I heard. It was like so, it was so clear. And I was on the plane, and I'm like, whew. Like it hit me. John 11, 11. You've been asleep in your leadership and it's time for KC to wake up. Now, I don't know what that means. Because when God speaks a word like that, you got to dig a little bit. You got to soul search a little bit. You got to get your spiritual shovel out and move some rocks out of the way and get some weeds out of the way so you can see the condition of the soil, right? Because there may be some rocks down there you need to deal with. And I just know that this is true. 
what seems dead to us is simply only asleep to God. Write that down. What seems dead to us is only asleep to God. And he said this to me. He said, Sean, you have felt like there has been a death, but really, you're only asleep. And I could look at it, there's certain things in, around my life where I'm like, man, is that, that died? Like, when I celebrate 11 years, 11 years today, I didn't think that we would be in this state 11 years from ago. I didn't think we'd still be mobile. In fact, I completely thought the opposite. We were in, literally in 2012 and 13, we were in the beginning stages of a $12 million building project where we had architectural drawings. We had offers on the table. I mean, it, it, it was a whole different space. And But this is what I know to be true. Sometimes we so focus on success on the outside that we forget that it's more important that God builds success on the inside first. And the human that I am today is a way better human than I am I was 11 years ago. The building on the inside of me is bigger than a $12 million building project on the outside of me. You hear what I'm saying? God cares more about what's in you than he does what's around you. Because if he knows if he can get in you and deal with the inside of you, then he'll give you what he wants to give you around you and it won't crush you. It won't destroy you. And uh, I... It's funny because I, I... Right away I remembered years, several Christmases ago, right around the season when things shifted for me. And, and the, it was a season, it was a, like a hard season, I remember. It was a specific hard season. My wife bought this key for me. And for those of you that don't know what these keys are, it's called, the, it's a not-for-profit based in, I believe, Nashville. And it's called the Giving Keys. And it's a not-for-profit organization where they employ homeless people and they find these old keys, and they write on the key a specific word, like a theme. Like, it, it could be anything. They just write, like, a specific theme. I think you can even customize it. Yeah, you can customize it now. Write a specific word, and the, the whole goal of it is, is, like, you give this key to somebody. They wear it. It's, like, almost like a prophetic word for their season. And then when you feel like that season is over, you give the key to somebody else. As in, it's for now, it's for your season. And I got this several years ago. I actually stopped wearing it. And I felt the Lord spoke to me recently and said, you need to get that out. You know what it says on here? Resurrection. It says resurrection. And I've actually felt like Lord, the Lord speak to me. You might think this is weird. We, we in this house here believe in the voice of God. We're not schizophrenics. <laughs> God speaks today. Just read his book. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He speaks. If he doesn't speak, you have religion. You don't have relationship. There is no relationship without communication. Naturally, there's no relationship without communication. Try having a marriage without communicating. It doesn't work. God still speaks today. He said, I want you to wear this because now you're mo now this is that season. Now this is that season, Sean. And it's resurrection time in this season. 
and I feel this for this house, that there are things in your life that God wants to resurrect. Do you believe that this morning? Death is simply, or what feels like death is simply, every day of the week an opportunity for resurrection. Loss is so, you know what the greatest teacher in spiritual life is? Is loss. Loss is one of the greatest teachers in life. Because it teaches us how to take a hard season and a hard thing and find redemptive purpose for gain. God so loves you that loss is going to happen. It's John. John talks about this, about the tree. He is the vine dresser. The father comes down, he prunes the tree. You are the branches, and he prunes the branches. Even when they're bearing fruit, he prunes the good fruit so that you can bear more fruit. Loss actually is simply a preparation for gain, first on the inside and then on the outside. And he says this, let's go back to the passage here in John chapter 11, verse 14. He said, he told them plainly, speaking to Martha and Mary, speaking to his crew, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Sometimes your resurrection season isn't just about you. It's about what people will see about God in you. Let me say that again. When you go through loss and then you go through gain, sometimes it's not just about you. It's about people seeing the beauty and the wonder of God within you. There are people that have wished for your downfall. They've hoped that you wouldn't make it. They hoped your marriage wouldn't succeed. They cursed you behind your back. They betrayed you. They backbit you. They lied about you. They did all these things about you, and you feel like you had some death in your life. But guess what? When you resurrect on the other side, it's not just about you resurrecting. It's about what resurrects in them when they see your resurrection. This is what he says. Jesus says this. He says, it's for, I'm glad. He actually said, it's, it's good that I didn't come when I should have. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. Because Jesus, if he was there when Lazarus died, he could have resurrected him right away. There would be no heartache, right? They had to go through that loss. They had to go through the mourning. It was a hard moment. I mean, Lazarus and Jesus were really good friends, right? This is Mar this is Mary and Martha. This is like their brother. This is like a, this is a family thing, a family affair. And he's like, I'm glad I wasn't there. Imagine Jesus saying to you, I'm glad I wasn't there in your time of worst need. Now, he is there with us. But sometimes the answer when we're at our worst doesn't come at the time we need it the most or think we need it the most. Because God has a plan on the other side. It's called redemption of turning a hard story into something beautiful. And so he might take his time. Because he was. It's like two days. Lazarus is dead. And now he's like, let's stay here for another two days. Like, that's kind of a, I'm not calling Jesus a jerk, but that's kind of a jerk thing to do. Right? Let's just waste more time. Like, the person's dying of cancer in the hospital. If you don't come now, it's over. And you're like, let me just hang out at the coffee shop for three more days. Does that kind of sound a little strange to you? That's what Jesus did. Like, I'm glad I wasn't there when you thought you needed me the most because now the glory of God will be revealed. 
That's what basically what he's saying. Remember, it's only asleep. And I want you to put whatever it is in the blank. It will rise again. Your marriage, your relationship, your friendships, your career, your finances, your job, it will rise again. Whatever it is, you need to put in the blank, wherever the blank is. I don't know if it's a blank screen. So whatever it is, put in that blank, it will rise again. And I believe this is your promise for this season of your life. I really believe this. I, I had this dream. I told you, I'm, like, I'm sharing. I'm not really teaching this morning. So if you're wanting some super crazy eschatological breakdown of the book of Revelation or some you know, exegetical breakdown of a passage, I'm not giving that to you, t- to you today. Okay, We will do that, but I'm not giving that to you today. I had this dream in 2019. 11 months before the pandemic started. Now, I'm a numbers guy. As you could tell already, I'm a numbers guy in the sense that as somebody who teaches on the supernatural, teaches on the prophetic, like numbers matter, like symbols matter. It's all through scripture. I mean, you see it. Symbols, numbers matter. In fact, the number 11 in scripture is very significant. It symbolizes and represents transition. But one of the things that it, it the 11th, Okay, so a couple things. Number one, Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. Write that down. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22 is the first time the number 11 is ever actually mentioned in Scripture. Now, we call that the law of first mention. When something is first mentioned in the canon, in the canonized Scripture, when something is first mentioned, pay attention because it it builds a framework for everything else after it as far as meaning and truth. Genesis chapter 32 verse uh, chapter 32 verse 22 is the story of Jacob crossing over the ford of Jabbok, okay, with his 11 sons. The 11th son being Joseph. Joseph's name means God will add. I'm not going to get into that. But everything is very significant and important in scripture when you study scripture. Like words mean uh, matter, numbers matter, colors matter, symbols matter. It's all connected and it all paints this beautiful picture in the end of who Jesus really is. It's incredible when you connect all the dots together. And his 11 sons crossed over. It's the first time it's, it's mentioned. And if you look at this transitional moment of Jacob and his 11 sons, it was all about dealing with one's own strength in life, stopping them from crossing over into God's purpose and plan and letting God come in and give him his strength. That's the story. So Jacob, he's fighting with an angel. He's alone, left over. He's knows he's supposed to cross over. He's had a rough life, a hard life. He's been betrayed. He's been hurt. And then he's at this, this juncture in time where he's about to cross over. He's left alone. And he crosses over. Before he crosses over, he fights with this angel. It's an angel of the Lord. And they're wrestling and Jacob's not going to let this angel go. And the angel t- touches his, his hip socket, which is considered the thigh bone area, okay? This in Scripture represents personal strength. Sometimes God has to take out your personal strength so you can submit and surrender to his strength. Sometimes God has to, has to expose the counterfeit strength that you've been operating in, your own gifts, your own skills, your own talents, so that he can get in with his strength so he can get the glory. And this is the story of Jacob. He had been trying in his own strength. In fact, he, he got the blessing from his father through deception. He tried to do 
the spiritual thing and fulfill his destiny on his own, but he couldn't. He gets to this juncture, about to cross over, an angel touches his strength, takes his strength out to the place where he walked with a limp for the rest of his life so that God could teach him, now it's not about your strength anymore, Jacob, it's about my strength in you. And as a result, I'm going to change your name from Jacob to Israel, meaning God strengthens. You fought with God and have prevailed. You track it with me here? So this is where 11 is first mentioned. It's in this juncture. 11 is all about, in Scripture, a transition from one spiritual geography to the other by dealing with the counterfeit strength of man so that the strength of God can appear. Now listen to this. The 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, every letter in the alphabet of the Hebrew language is a, is a picture. The 11th letter of the Hebrew al alphabet is the, the word what we call kof. Okay? Kof. And it actually means palm in English. Palm. It means palm. And it means the place of supply, provision, security, and power. Interesting. In this moment of Jacob crossing over, God had to deal with the counterfeit, counterfeit strength, power, security that Jacob had had so that he could change his name and take him into his future. The 11th letter, very, very important. Now, in Scripture, this is, the, this is part of the reason why we lay hands on people. It's the place, it's the place in Scripture where, where you, you, you bless your children with your palm of your hands facing forward. Because it was believed to be the place where the power and supply and provision to bless the next generation came from. Are you with me? Why we lay hands on people. Now, the New Age has twisted it. People call themselves Reiki masters. They're just taking the reality from God and twisting it. That there is a connection point to the power of God and the laying on of hands. The palm of the hand. So 11 is very, very significant. Even to the place, if you, if you read in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 3 all the way to 6, you might know the story. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to reference it, paraphrase it real quick just for time's sake. But man, like... If it's, a, it's crazy because the Philistines caught and, they, and they, they, they stole the ark of God. They conquered Israel. Philistines, the Philistine giants, the Philistines represents like opposition, represents the enemy. The spiritual forces of wickedness conquer Israel. They take the ark of God. They put the ark of God. They bring it into Ashdod. They bring it into a temple, the temple of Dagon. Dagon was a false god. Dagon's father was like, the Baal. It was the, they worshiped Baal. He was like the son of the father, Baal. Baal worship. False idol worship. Dagon was a statue, like a fish-looking statue in this temple, and they worshiped in the statue. When they brought the presence, when they brought the Ark of God into that temple, and they stole it from Israel, they brought it into that temple. You know what happened the next day? The, the idol fell down. So they're freaking out, because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. When you bring the presence of God into any counterfeit situation, the counterfeit falls down. They bring it in, it falls down. They fix it back up. The next day, it falls down again. This time, guess what happens? It's broken, but not just broken. The hands are cut off. The palms, actually it says the palms are cut off. 
only the body is left, but the palms are cut off. Because when you bring the power and presence of God into a situation, it exposes the counterfeit supply in our lives. Now I know I'm jumping around. Please track with me. Connect these dots with me here. I'm just sharing with you a little bit about why 11 is significant. And how 11 in the Hebrew letter of the Hebrew letter represents the palm, represents the place of power and supply, provision. And I believe that we are moving into a season of that. That's resurrection power, you guys. The power supply of what we need. There's power and there's supply that we need to advance in this next season. And God is bringing us there in this next season. I'm prophesying to you right now, whether you realize it or not. He's bringing us there. Now back to the dream. I had a dream 11 months before the pandemic started. 2019. I'm in this dream. Some of you have heard me tell this before already. I'm in this dream. And I, Michelle and I are late for church and we come into the building. We're late for church. We come into the building. And there's a lineup. And it's, I felt like Cineplex here. There was a lineup out the door. And you could feel like it was buzzing. Like there was this expectation. There was a buzzing for what God was going to do. There was like this expectation. I saw some specific people in the lineup that were familiar to me. And I remember thinking, man, what is happening? And I remember looking up where the room was. And it was room 11 in my dream. Room number 11. We were in room 11 in what felt like the Cineplex. And I felt like it felt like revival. Then the scene shifted, and now I'm on this water tower with a bunch of our leaders, and I'm looking over a baseball diamond. Some of you have heard me show this before. It was actually the dream that I shared that launched a series called The Long Game back in the spring, around the springtime of 2019. And so I'm on this water tower, and I look down the stadium. There's a baseball game going on, and I felt like we were having church at the same time, and we were like trying to like usher people in secretly with a tarp kind of sounds like the pandemic usher people in secretly with a tarp and I remember seeing like God and thinking in in the dream like this is the long game baseball is one of the longest games in sports it's considered the long game there's games that have lasted two days and and uh, I, I I was thinking man it's about perseverance and little did I know we'd go into a pandemic and I felt like God showed me these two things for a reason is that revival a revived, a resurrection life is going to happen, but you got to make it through the long, you got to make it through. There's going to be some hard things that happen. I didn't know 11 months later we'd go into a pandemic. You got to make it through. Because how many know sometimes things have to feel like they're dead and have died before there can be a resurrection? You got to make it through those seasons where it feels like things have died and are dead. So there can be a resurrection. Are you here with me? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Let me take a coffee break. I feel like these three things on the plane that God began to share with me was that, yes, we're in a John 11, 11 moment. We're in an 11th room moment where God is getting us ready to bring new life to us but we're also in an 11th hour moment and I heard this and I, I actually didn't to honestly didn't even know what the 11th hour like what that was I've heard the term but I, I've I questioned myself I'm like is it bankruptcy like what are we talking about here God like I, I haven't used that term before you're in an 11th hour moment now I know there's a parable in Matthew chapter 20 where 
it was like the 11th hour moment, the 11th hour before the workday end. You know, they, the, the workers brought their, you know, for what they, what they had done, and they all got paid the same wage, wages. And the principle of the 11th hour moment found in Matthew chapter 20 is that the first will be last and the last will be first. And this is, what's ha- this is what resurrection is all about. This is what's happening, you guys. Have you ever felt like you've been last? Like things just aren't working? I felt that way. When things are dead in my life, it feels like I'm last in everything. When it feels like things aren't moving the way that I think they should move or hope they should move, it feels like I'm last. You feel that way? Anybody ever feel that way in the room? But this is the turning point. This is the 11th hour moment when you come to that moment of, hey, like, I got nothing left to give. God shifts everything. And the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And I really believe that we are moving into a season. That's verse 16 of that. I I want you to stand up with me really quick. Because Lazarus, well, Mary and Martha in this story that I've kind of referenced over and over again felt like they were in an 11th hour moment in a negative sense. They were in an 11th hour moment. Now it's been four days And four days in that culture, now the body was beginning to decompose and begin to smell. Three days, maybe there was a possibility for a resurrection, who knows, still supernatural. But four days, now it's smelling, it's decomposing, it's beginning to shift. There's absolutely no hope. It's an 11th hour moment, like there's absolutely no hope left. And yet, Jesus in verse 23 says, a promise, your brother will rise again. And I love this because in verse 42, verse 42 of this passage, this story, Jesus says this, you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, that they they will believe you sent me. He's speaking to, to his father at this point, that they would believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And of course, you know the story, he comes out and they unwrap him. And I share this to, just to share this, this truth that Jesus never shows up when we want him to. But he shows up when we need him to. You see the difference there? He never quite shows up when we want. Mary and Martha would have had a way easier time if he showed up right away. But he prolonged it. Because it wasn't just about... Lazarus coming back to life. It wasn't just about Mary and Martha. It was about all those that would see and experience the miracle. And I realized this, that my timeline isn't God's timeline. I've, we, we've wrestled for some things as a church culture for many years. And I've realized and I've come to this place of struggling contentment. <laughs> a struggle in contentment of realizing that, hey, God, you have a perfect timing. You have a perfect timing. And I believe this for you, God has a perfect timing in this season. That God is going to reawaken some stuff in your life. I want you just to put your hands up real quick. And I, I just, I, I, if you can, if there's somebody beside you, you feel comfortable, just put your hands on them right now. Just let's, I'm, We're going to pray for each other right now. Maybe you're in this room, you're a guest with us this morning. Hey, no one's going to bite you. We're just believing for strength to come into your life this morning. 
We're believing for power to come into your life this morning. We're believing for resurrection life to come in. Maybe you're dull spiritually. Maybe you know there's more to life than what you're living in this season of your life. And somehow you have just bowed and surrendered to bitterness. You've bowed and surrendered to disobedience. You've bowed and surrendered to just staying where you're at. And God wants to resurrect you this morning. So God, let's pray. Father, we pray right now. Come on, begin to pray for the people around you. God, we pray for a new life to take place this morning. New life to take place this morning, God. Resurrection life, God. You're moving into an 11th hour season, God. An 11th transitional season where you're moving into new power, new supply, new provision, new experience with your God, the one who has set you free. God, I pray that in this season, come on guys, pray out loud. Pray out loud about this. This is not a pray in your head type of moment. This is a confess out loud with your mouth. There's power in your voice. There's power in your words. There's power in your declaration. Right now, God, we pray for a spirit of prayer to fall on this house right now. A spirit of prayer, God. Just a spirit of, of strength and prayer in Jesus' name. Come on, keep praying, keep praying. Keep praying, keep praying. Let God hear your faith. Let God hear your faith. Let God hear your faith today. Let him hear your faith. Let him hear your faith. Let him hear your faith. Take, take a moment. Now, this is, maybe you're not part of this house, and, and you're not, this is not your home, and I, I pre-apologize, but I want to take a moment to just stay in this attitude of prayer a little longer, and let's pray for this house to get stronger. Let's pray for this house to get stronger in every level, spiritually, relationally, as a community, in our prayer, in our worship financially, every area in our in our outreach and our the way we are all about mission and, and transform culture. Let's take a time right now for a moment. God, we pray right now that this community's the best days are still yet to come. Come on, let's pray out loud, you guys. Don't pray in your head. We're praying, God, in this season of our life, we would break into and break through 